I've been digging myself out from 42 inches of snow and dusting off my winter hiking gear. I started fantasizing about where I would have been this time if not for COVID. I would have been in Florida, probably bike riding, maybe picking a section of the Florida trail to hike. Definitely not digging 42 inches of snow. Down my Today, we have a representative from the trail, Florida Trail Association. A trail program director, Kelly Van Patten, will talk to us about the Florida Trail. Kelly, welcome to the show. And why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, you said my name is Kelly, um, and I work for the Florida Trail Association. Um, we're a membership-based nonprofit, and really our focus uh, is to build, maintain, protect, and promote the Florida National Scenic Trail. Um, So I stepped into this role about five years ago. I'm originally from upstate New York and I've lived kind of all over the Northeast. And uh, now I'm down here in Florida and really loving getting to explore the state and uh, manage our small staff. Um, You know, we've got a small team uh, here at FTA, just five of us really that work on the trail. Um, So we really depend heavily on volunteers and We've got 19 volunteer chapters across the state and a really dedicated group of folks um, that we're super thankful for that really make the trail possible. Um, so it's been a joy getting to know everyone and uh, work with our volunteers, especially. Yeah, on that note, I'm just going to make a quick plug here for all trail associations that they really need the support, not just financially, but of volunteers. So if you can't If you're not able to make a small donation or any donation, people just providing their time to help do some trail maintenance could go a long way. Would you say that? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, Like I said, our trail, especially down here in Florida, um, where we have to maintain every foot of the trail every year, um, because a lot of what we're doing is pulling back uh, growth that comes in through the summer season um, and doing kind of landscaping. Uh, We really, really heavily depend on that volunteer support. Uh, The trail would not be possible without it. And I think we're seeing that all over the country, state budgets being squeezed, the National Park Association, National Park System. So volunteering, it's just as valuable as a donation, I would think. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Can you provide us uh, with a brief history of the Florida Trail? Um, yeah, sure. So the Florida Trail really was originally envisioned by our founder, Jim Kern, um, back when he was hiking the Appalachian Trail uh, in the early 1960s. So when he finished his hike, he came back um, and, like I said, wanted to see a similar long-distance trail down here in Florida, um, and he helped to found the Florida Trail Association. Um, So really, it was a grassroots effort from the beginning, um, all done by volunteers, um, and after a whole bunch of planning and scouting, um, eventually the first orange blaze on the Florida Trail was painted in the Ocala National Forest in 1996. Um, so all of that effort kind of continued over the next couple decades, and eventually the Florida Trail was recognized as a National Scenic Trail by Congress um, under the National Scenic Trails Act in 1983. So that put us in the same caliber and uh, group as uh, trails you might know, like the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide. Um, all of those are congressionally designated. So that was a huge step forward, um, and now our trail is just about complete. Um, right now we've got 
1,500 miles of trail stretching from the Everglades out to Pensacola. Um, and we crossed more than 50 different properties. Uh, and really just the work continues. Like I said, we've got maybe two or 300 miles of trail to complete. Um, and really the work uh, continues as far as keeping the trail maintained and protected. Uh, so that's the focus of our work right now. You know, growing up in the Northeast, I've followed the Appalachian Trail, which is much older than the Florida Trail. And it just seems to be an ongoing process, not just trail maintenance, but rerouting, obtaining right-of-ways. So it's a never-ending labor of love, I'd say. Um, it is. And it's a lot harder than a lot of people think, closing those gaps. It takes you know a lot of work and partnerships and planning and um, all of that, but it's definitely worth it. And that's a huge focus of what we're trying to do. What can people expect to see along the Florida Trail? What would a backpacker, what, what would they see that might be unique to, let's say, the other, the more notable long distance trails? Yeah, I mean, Florida is definitely very unique in terms of the landscapes that you might cross. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think of Disney World and palm trees when they think of Florida, but our state has so much more than that. Um, it's truly diverse. So, you know, when you start down uh, in Big Cypress, most of our through hikers start uh, our southern terminus, um, you're in a cypress swamp. So really wet and muddy. Uh, sometimes you'll have water up to your waist, potentially in a wet season. Um, you know, from there, you're going through a lot of agricultural land, maybe sugar cane, um, or sometimes seven or eight uh, generations old uh, cattle farms. You know, from there, there's big, expansive prairies, um, you know, getting into North Florida, there's pine flatwoods, oak hammock, oak scrub. Um, as you get out into the panhandle, there's a little bit more elevation and hilly terrain. Um, we've got some really beautiful infrastructure and bridges out there. Um, you know, Bradwell Bay is out there, another swampy area. And then we finish along a beach walk, which is great. So you really get through the trail to see all the different sides of the Florida ecosystems. It sounds like it it covers quite a diverse terrain um, uh, and ecosystems. Uh, is there any unique fauna or uh, flora that you'd like to, you know that maybe is special to to the, to Florida? You mentioned the uh... absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest highlights of our trail as compared to other national scenic trails is that biodiversity that you see as you're hiking. Um, so some of the ones that you know, first come to mind are the birds. Um, I've seen some really rare or endangered birds across the trail, like the caracara, um, my favorite bird, the roseate spoonbill, um, and all the typical kind of herons and egrets that you might picture. Um, you know, gators are obviously there. I've seen uh, along the side of the trail or in waterways. We've got snakes, we've got all kinds of butterflies. Um, and then as far as plants go, beautiful orchids, um, the pitcher plants are a cool one. That's a carnivorous plant you can see along the trail. Um, all kinds of rare flowers. Um, I love the air plants down in Big Cypress and the bromeliads. Um, or even, you know, up in North Florida, you can see giant oak trees, some of the biggest in the state uh, along the trail. So I really think that's one of our number one highlights along the Florida Trail. And you mentioned some of the wildlife. I'll briefly share this with you and everyone listening. My wife has been wanting to move to Florida, relocate there. And honestly, this 42 inches of snow isn't helping me at all to want to, in my argument, to stay in the Northeast. <laughs> uh, but she says, you know, you can hike in Florida. There's hiking trails there. And I said, well, there's alligators there. 
She goes, well, you have bears in the north where you hike now. And I just want to ask, is that something, I guess, if you're there long enough, you become accustomed to? Because, you know, honestly, I know I hike in areas where there's bears. I know they're there. But I just kind of mentally have myself prepared and I take the precautions. Does that happen? Do you become acclimated to the sharing the trail with the possibility of encountering alligators at some point? Definitely. I mean, you know, I can actually share a story on that uh, that I think is really kind of sums it up. Um, so I'm originally from the Northeast. So when I started this job, I was new to Florida. And uh, in my first week on the job, one of the things I did with my supervisor at the time was uh, go down to Big Cypress and meet their superintendent. And so, you know, the three of us are walking down the trail talking and I can see ahead there's a gator just laying across the trail. And the conversation continued and nobody seemed to address it. And we kept walking and getting closer and closer to this gator. And eventually, as we got closer, it just kind of lazily walked off and nobody paid it any mind. It was maybe five minutes later, I brought it up and I said, does anyone see that gator back there? And uh, the superintendent, he's just so used to it and doesn't really see them as a threat. He didn't even think to pause the conversation <laughs> to address it. So I feel like that sort of embodies the attitude I think a lot of people have once they spend enough time out there. You know, of course, there are dangers. Any kind of wildlife, snakes, gators that are threatening, you know, really the time that things happen is if you're harassing them, if you're poking things with a stick, if food is involved. Or if it's a bear, if you're between a mom and a cub, if you're in one of those situations, of course, that's of concern. But if you're just hiking along the trail and being aware, making sure you're not stepping on a snake, you know, just very much being aware of your surroundings and not causing um, distress to any wildlife, then it shouldn't be any issue. Um, and if it brings any comfort, at least anecdotally, as far as I've heard, I haven't heard of anybody getting bit by a snake on our trail, whether it was hikers or volunteers. Uh, same with gators. I'm not aware of any gator attacks. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but just as far as I'm aware, I haven't heard of anything. Um, so that definitely gives me a little peace of mind. Again, still want to be, of course, aware of the surroundings, but uh, it's not, I think, as much of an issue as a lot of people think. Because that. yeah, that's always one of the first bits of advice I give somebody who asks me about going on a first backpacking trip. It's not only know where you're hiking, but understand the wildlife that's in the area and their behaviors. Uh, like I said earlier, I hike where there's black bears, but you know, not to say that I, I could never be attacked by a by a black bear, but I know there's things I have to do. Like you said, don't get between a cub and the and, and, and the mama bear. Don't don't bring food into your tent and things like that. Uh, if you're hiking in an area where mm-hmm. there's been rattlesnake sightings, just be a little bit more alert that there may be a rattlesnake on the trail. Uh, so yeah, you've pretty much touched on my next question was, you know, what precautions can people take to minimize a potentially dangerous encounter. And uh, yeah, it just sounds like if you're familiar, familiarize yourself and uh, yeah, don't, I mean, just a, a little side note here. A few years ago, I heard somebody giving a lecture on venomous snakes and they gave an interesting statistic. I believe it was 85% of the venomous snake bites in the United States were to men between the ages of 18 and 21 on the hand who were intoxicated. Okay, pretty much saying right. They tried to pick the snake up while they had been drinking. Okay, so wow. So yeah, I mean that that, that certainly supports what you're saying. Is you know just don't do anything stupid. I guess is the most blunt and best way to put it. Right? Don't go try to pick up that snake, whether it's venomous or not. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Does the trail pass through any interesting towns or communities along the way? 
Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because um, this is something that our organization is really pouring a lot of time and effort into right now, um, and it's our Gateway Communities program. Um, so we really sort of tried to revitalize it and expand it uh, starting in 2017. Um, and really the goal of the program is to designate the towns and cities that are close in proximity to the trail and kind of market their resources to uh, outdoor recreation enthusiasts. So, you know, examples of those re resources might be restaurants, um, grocery stores, lodging, laundry, uh, outfitters, uh, other local attractions, and really anything that might be of interest to hikers. And the hope is that the benefit goes both ways, both, you know, that we're showing through hikers and section hikers the resources that they can use to prepare for their hike, but also that we're giving back to that community and expanding their recreation economy, as well as making community residents that live local to there um, aware of the resources that they have right in their backyard. So it's really a win-win-win across the board. Um, so right now, you know, we've got, I believe, 13 gateway communities and uh, a bunch of different passport stamp locations and a coinciding passport program. Um, so this is definitely something we're pouring a lot more effort into, um, and I think it brings a lot of benefit. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that. I have a background in economic development, uh, so I this is something that I probably pay a little bit more attention to. And, and I've noticed these communities getting on board with cooperating with these trails, understanding the value, the economic value of being friendly to the hikers or bikers, whoever it is that may be going through their town. That uh, I mean, if you, uh, for example, I'm looking at the Allegheny, Great Allegheny Passage Trail to do a bike uh, ride in the spring, and there's little communities there that have re become, have come back back to life because the businesses there have understood. Okay, if we can welcome these people. We can we can build around that. So some communities have actually been able to build on that. Uh, I've seen it along the Appalachian Trail as well, and and on the Long Trail in Vermont. The, these communities understanding that that they partner with the trails, and uh, that they can benefit from it. So that's that's a real plus. I'm glad to hear that. It's a huge opportunity. I mean, in Florida especially, um, we're within I believe it's the top five uh, states in terms of the size of our outdoor recreation economy. So here in Florida, it's fifty-eight billion dollars a year, uh, and that's huge. So that's something we always try to tell these towns that we're trying to partner with that this is a huge opportunity for you guys. Um, in right, that sense. Florida especially, I would think. Right, let's get in on the this the snowbirds coming down here, right? So here's another opportunity for maybe people that are further inland. You have the trail now going through there. So they could, mm -hmm. they could, um, they could, they could uh, reap the benefits of something like that. Does the tra Florida trail association keep track of the number of people who hike the trail or complete through hikes? We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll be likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer for those of us who enjoy the outdoors. 
we try to, it's a bit like herding stray cats. <laughs> it can be hard to get uh, an accurate number of people who through hike every year. Um, so, you know, we have a program where if people fill out a completion form, they can send it to us and they get an end-to-end finish or catch. Um, so we do have that, but a lot of people just kind of like to go off on their own and do their hike and not tell anybody about it. Um, and we do, there are also um, some, you know, through hiking support organizations outside of ours that work more directly with through hikers. Um, you know, our organization is mostly focused on the maintenance and protection side of things. Um, and there's other organizations and groups out there that support through hikers a little more directly. Um, so based off of what I've seen from the information they gather, it seems like we've got anywhere from 50 to 100 through hikers every year, you know, every time it varies, but it's right within that range. So it's not a huge amount of people. And in a way, I think that's a benefit for us. You know, you hike the AT, it can be really crowded uh, in a lot of spots. So if people are looking for a more solitary hiking experience, uh, that's a huge benefit of Florida. I mean, if you've heard of some of our through hikers not ever seeing another through hiker on their journey if they do it, you know, outside of our typical through hike window. Um, so depending on what you're looking for, I guess that could be a positive or a negative, but I see it yeah, as positive. You're, you're right. I, I've hiked in areas where I've been able to feel that solitude and I've been on the hike sections of the Appalachian Trail where I'm in that bubble, that through hiker bubble. And if you don't find a spot to camp or in a shelter, yeah, you're going to be hiking another five to 10 miles to, to find a place to sleep for the night. So yeah, that's there's there's many benefits to the to the solitude. If somebody wanted to get more information on the trail or maybe report their through hike, how would they go about that? Um, so for more information on the trail, you can certainly visit floridatrail.org. Um, we've got a through hiker information packet. Um, if people want to do a through hike. All the information you need is there um, as far as permits that you need and just kind of the basics. Um, and then there's another organization called floridahikes.com. Um, they've got a lot of great user resources, definitely more than we have. Like I said, we focus more on the maintenance side of things. Um, and then there's the Florida Trail Hikers Alliance. They're another nonprofit that focuses more on through hikers and users. Um, so those are all great resources. That's definitely where I would start. And really, it's been interesting to see how social media has played a role. Um, there's all kinds of, you know, Facebook groups out there for hiking in Florida or specific classes of Florida trail through hikers. And that's a great way to, you know, get involved in trail magic or if you need rides or seeing how the conditions are. Um, that's a great resource as well. Now, I've. I haven't through-hiked any of the long-distance trails. I've sectioned hiked the Appalachian Trail. I've done some of the shorter trails. But I have watched YouTubes, and I've read a lot of books about the other trails and have followed Triple Crowners. And after reading about the Florida Trail, the truth is I feel like, you know what? People need to take a closer look at that trail. People at long-distance hike that have done the Continental Divide, the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, really should be taking a look at the Florida Trail, not just because it gives them an opportunity to hike in the in months where it's typically colder in most of the country, but because it, I believe it offers the same challenges as those hikes, different, but equally challenging. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that the Florida Trail maybe should be looked at in the same light as some of the other long distance trails? That's my hope. I mean, yeah, I definitely think, like I've said earlier, there's so much biodiversity and unique 
um, ecosystems, flora and fauna, and all that that you can see on our trail. That that alone, I think, makes it worth the trip. But you know, we've also got going for us that our prime hiking season, which is from basically the start of the year in January to March, April, uh, is the exact opposite hiking season of the rest of the country for the most part. Um, so we've got that in our favor. And then as far as you know, the challenge of hiking the Florida Trail. Uh, I think that's something that's very underrated here. Um, our very first section, for example, down in Big Cypress, you know, it's a couple nights to get through that section, um, but it is really difficult. Like you haven't slogged through a swamp before where you're going through thick sucking mud and <laughs> almost stepping in solution holes and you gotta really be careful of your footing. It's a lot more challenging than you would think. Um, when I did that section, and I'm in not amazing shape, but pretty decent physical shape. Uh, after I finished that section, I could barely lift up my leg to use the <laughs> brake pedal in my car on the drive home. I mean, I was really sore. It's just a bunch of muscles that we don't typically use. Um, so if you're looking to get in shape <laughs> for another trail, this definitely um, can help to I do that. I was sharing a shelter on one of my section hikes a few years back, and there was a gentleman from Florida, and he started talking about how he was considering hiking the Florida Trail. And somebody said, Florida Trail? Florida's all flat. What can be challenging about that? And this guy said, oh, please, have you ever hiked through knee-deep water or you know, have to, you know, not, not exactly. you know, for two or three feet like you might find in a stream cro uh, crossing? I'm talking all day. And then when you're finished with that, you're slogging through mud that's up above your ankles. And uh, he said, yeah, it's a different challenge. Definitely can offer... Uh, well, we do have a little elevation. Uh, the highest point on the Florida Trail at Eglin Air Force Base up in the Panhandle is 102 feet. So watch out. It is there. Is there a best time of year to start the Florida Trail if you're looking to through hike or even just section hike? So um, typically, although it's not happening this year because of COVID, um, but normally there is a, a through-hike uh, kickoff event that happens uh, pretty much right after New Year's Day, uh, that weekend that follows. Um, so that's when most of the through-hikers start is in early January. Um, but people can start as early as the fall if they want, um, you know, or as late. I've heard of people starting in March, April. I wouldn't recommend it but it is uh, definitely possible uh, but that's our prime hiking season is, okay. it starts in january um in closing anything you want to say to us that might encourage somebody to hike the florida trail you've said a lot of things that have me motivated but if you just want um, to maybe sum up <laughs> uh yeah i mean i would just encourage people um to find a section that's easy and accessible you know i Really, I love all the sections that kind of surround both sides of Orlando. We have two different corridors around Orlando, and there's a lot of really nice, accessible, short-day hikes um, that would be a great starting point. Um, another kind of nice thing about our trail is our volunteer chapters maintain um, lots of loop and side trails around the Florida Trail, so it's really easy. You don't have to do an out-and-back. A lot of these areas, um, you are able to do a loop hike and connect it to a side trail, so that's Somebody was brand new, that's where I would say to start is find a nice day hike and uh, get yourself comfortable, see what gear you like, you know. Even getting used to gear down here is a little bit different. What I like to wear, especially in the wet areas, are like mesh kind of trail runners so that they drain easily. Um, but that's not everybody's preference. It's definitely something to get used to um, if you're doing one of those longer hikes. Um, so that's where I would start is just a day hike. Hey, would you like to give us your website one more time? 
Sure. Uh, it's floridatrail.org, and you can also find us on social media and Instagram, Twitter. Kelly, I want to thank you very much for giving up your time today to share with us these very interesting and motivating details about the Florida Trail. I hope people take the time to look into it. It is an interesting trail, and there's a lot of information, whether it's on social media, like Kelly said, or there's YouTubes. People have, you know, now everything's on YouTube. People video their through hikes, and uh, it, it is interesting. I've got to tell you, it's got me thinking that there's a possibility I could end up down there. I don't know if I'm a long distance, I'm an 1,100 or 1,500 mile hiker. I haven't gotten myself to that point. My hikes are usually in the 300 mile range at most, but. You never know. Okay, Kelly, thanks again. You have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please feel free to leave a review. If you found it helpful or useful or just entertaining, let us know. We can be contacted at papabearhikes at gmail.com or check us out at papabearhikes01 on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Get outside and have a great day. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.